Amen. Let's pray over this message, and uh, I'm just, uh, I'm still working on this message that Pastor David started rolling over in my thinking uh, several weeks ago. So let's pray over it, uh, because I want you to get the most out of it possible. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true, it's tested, and Father, your word is, is where we see light and life. So, Father, thank you as we open your word tonight and and search for uh, direction for our life. Father, thank you for your anointing uh, for me to, to be a teacher. And we declare that every ear is anointed to hear, every heart anointed to receive that precious seed of the word of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know by now... Uh, I kind of got stirred up by some messages that Pastor David and Pastor Scarlett got started on, uh, mainly from Third uh, John verse two, and he was talking about the prosperous soul, and the soul being that part of our body. And I won't get into that whole teaching again, but but remember, we are a three-part being. We are a spirit. We live in a body, and we have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And we need all three. We, you know, some people think we can just, you know, leave one of them off. No, we need all three to function on this planet. Uh, but we especially need our soul or our spirit to connect with the spirit realm. But the soul, that mind, will, and emotion is the connector that connects us with, with all the rest of that. But I, again, I'm, I'm thinking about this, meditating on this, and here I run across another scripture, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. And I'm reading New King James, because I figure if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. <laughs> it's a joke, okay? Um, Hebrews 6, 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, there's more to this we'll we'll get into later, hopefully. But think about, you know, again, I I was in the Navy, so I talk about Navy stuff. I talk about sports stuff. I talk about things that I've been, had that I've had experience with. But what does an anchor do? It it makes you steady. It makes you, uh, keeps you from going where you don't want to go. And uh, keeps you from getting dashed against the rocks, for one thing. And it stops you from drifting away. Now, we're talking about the anchor of our soul. We don't want our soul, our, our mind, to be drifting in the wrong direction, going, uh, taking on the wrong things. But the thing you need to remember is an anchor is only as secure as that which it is attached to. If it's not attached to something solid, it's not going to help you. So the anchor needs to be anchored in something that is is not going to let you get away into the wrong area. Uh, and, and God gives us an anchor. And it's something that will protect us and keep us steady and uh the main thing we need to understand, and, and we've touched on this a bit in, in the last few messages, is that 
the battles we fight spiritually take place in the mind. And, and a lot of people don't realize that. They're, they're first to, uh, they're, they're quick to, uh, work into the flesh and in, and in the emotional realm. And I heard someone, uh, teach one time that, uh, when, when we're pressed into a situation where we need to fight, we always go to the weapons that we're most familiar with. And David, when he fought Goliath, had, had a, selection that he could have chosen from. Uh, Saul was, was willing to give him his armor and, and weapons. The only thing he knew how to use was that slingshot. And that's what brought him victory. And it's, you know, if, if you're used to, you know, answering with the fists, that's what you'll go to. But if you'll take time to check inside with that inner man and, and walk in the spirit more, there's, there's much more available to us than we've than we thought. So uh, the the key, or one of the keys at least, to uh, to the warfare, the battle that we're in, is to keep our soul in good condition. You know, think about properly maintaining a car. You know, you need to do some things once in a while, like change the oil. Uh, don't let it uh, run out of oil for sure. It's better to run out of gas than it is to run out of oil because uh, you're you're talking big expenses there. But so we're we're talking about maintaining and and keeping our mind in in good operating condition um, because that's where those battles take take place. Um, and again, Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse four and five. Um, we've we've gone over this before. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments, or some, some translations say imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing thoughts into captivity. We'll talk about that a little bit. But the attack on our soul starts with, with doubts and, and fears and uh, all kinds of things that the enemy tries to do to our mind. Those, those thoughts that he brings to us. And uh, the battle is won or lost by what we do in that arena of, of the mind. And... Uh, I'm going to share something with you that might sound a little silly, because it is, but uh, not too long ago we were watching a conference, and it was a, a serious thing. I don't, I, sorry, I don't remember the speaker or, or what was said. What I remember is two silly jokes popped into my head as as the speaker was making this presentation. You know, I taught junior high for years. I know lots of silly jokes, and but I. I Pretty good at separating them. I don't, I don't bring them out in, in public. But I'm, I'm sitting there and these two jokes, I'm going to share them with you. Don't throw rocks at me. But one is, is where does a 500, or excuse me, back up. Where does an 800 pound gorilla sit? Any place he wants to. That's it. Yeah. And then the other one, what does a 200-pound canary say 
as he walks down the dark alley. He says, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm thinking, now let, I'm, I'm not supposed to be thinking that right now. This, I want to, I want to take in what's being taught here. But I, I tried to push him away and, and I, I, in fact, I even mentioned it to, to Marta as we were, as we were watching this. I, this is, this is weird. I shouldn't be thinking this. So I started examining it. Is there a message here that I should be paying attention to? And so I, what I'm, I came up with is how can I be that 800 pound gorilla or that 200 pound canary? In, in, and be that fearless when it comes to fighting a spiritual battle. And, and so I started thinking again, thinking about that. Well, the first lesson is from the natural world, again, from, from sports and military and all that. But in war, where do you, where do you get the victory? Where do you win the battles? Or in sports, where do you Get the victory. Where do you win, win the game? Uh, if you're on the debate team, I was on debate team in high school. You may not believe that, but I was. In debate, same thing. Where do you win, win the debate? It's in preparation. In all of those things. In everything. It's in, in preparation. The answer to all of those things, the victory comes in the preparation. You know, back in, uh, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, and there was a great uh, naval battle battles at sea, um, the Japanese Navy really had the United States outmanned, outshipped, out everything. The difference was the Japanese thought they were invincible and didn't need to practice for any kind of disaster. The, the U.S. Navy, and I know this from the time I was in, it seems like most of your time is spent preparing for disaster. What do you do if this happens? What do you do if that happens? And so when, when ships got banged up or, or blown and holes in and things, the, the U.S. Navy knew how to, how to still keep going. The Japanese Navy was unprepared for that. And I was, it's good to have a, a attitude that yes, I'm, I can do this, but you also need to be prepared for any eventual circumstance, and they weren't. Um, so in, we called it damage control when, when I was in the Navy. But if you're more prepared than your opponent in whatever realm you're working in, sports or military, uh, if you're more prepared, you're more likely to win. If you even believe you're more prepared, you're more likely to win. And, I, you know, in uh, in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, like I use this every message that I give. Renewing your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewing of your mind. In in sports, in business, in, in whatever, sometimes we have to renew our minds have to do a, a reset to get get our minds lined up with what our goals are. I mean, everybody wants to be the champion. Everybody wants to come out on top. But if your mind isn't in line with that, it's not going to happen. 
So one of the, the examples that I thought of was uh, back in 1972 Olympics, there was a wrestler named Dan Gable, one of the most successful U.S. wrestlers ever. And he was scheduled to, to wrestle this Russian wrestler who was supposedly the best wrestler in the world. I mean, he was undefeated, undefeatable. He was highly favored over Dan Gable. Dan Gable won and won the gold medal. And so they asked Dan Gable, how, what happened? How, how could this be? You were such an underdog here. He, he said, for every push-up that Russian did, I did ten. Wow. Did he really? Did he? How did he know how many push-ups that Russian guy was doing? He built an anchor in his mind that, that he knew that, that he, was, he was doing more than, than that Russian guy was. And, and he was convinced of it and it became that anchor in his soul. Uh, the, the thing is, we are in charge of maintaining our own minds. Your wife or your husband isn't in charge of your mind, even though it may seem like that sometimes. You are in charge of maintaining your own mind. And sometimes we might need a little help, but but really it's up to every individual. Another example that I have were, were uh, the football teams that I used to coach. Um, we always worked hard and and did really hard conditioning at the end of practice. And we, we would run and run and run and then run and run some more. But we would tell them that this was because we were the best conditioned team in the whole league, that any time we get into the fourth quarter, if the game's close, it's ours. And and they keep hearing that and hearing it. Faith comes by hearing. And they're they're convinced that, yeah, we're we're gonna to be tough now. This is hard now, but boy, wait till that fourth quarter. And and especially if it was now this is in Oregon and it rains a lot in Oregon. And you practice in the rain. If you don't practice in the rain, you don't practice in Oregon. And and so we'd be they'd be cold and drizzly and dreary, and we'd say, Well, you know that we'd name the whoever the opponent for next, you know they're in in getting dressed now. They're not out here in, in this. And we're out there doing push-ups and running and everything. Yeah, yeah, we're we're really tough. And they were. They it really paid off because in their mind they had that anchor going, I've put in the work, I can do it. And and so uh it's it's uh it's also amazing uh that in Oregon I coached in, in Utah, Idaho and Oregon and uh Oregon was the only place where we had a special room called the drying room where we'd hang our equipment or the kids would hang their equipment in there to dry so they could wear it the next day. And after about three weeks of, of drying room, boy, there, it would, uh, it would knock over animals. <laughs> just the spout smell in there was just, well, that's not very spiritual, but it's a memory. <laughs> but, uh, the point is the battleground that we that we deal with it's it's in our mind and there's an anchor that we need to we need to uh take advantage of and get anchored to something that's solid that's going to keep us on uh from going off course from going someplace where we don't want to be and help us to receive 
the promises of God. And I want us to start thinking tonight about what is your anchor? What's, what's the anchor of your soul? Uh, that, that assurance. Because that's what these, that's what Dan Gable had. That's what some of these athletes have. There's an assurance that if, if this happens, I've got this. And, uh, so we need to, we need to be, what, what is it that's going to make us be that 800 pound gorilla that, that can be so, uh, you know, the, the foundation of our faith is there that we can be fearless going into any spiritual situation. The Bible says we receive from God by faith, right? And 1 John 4, or 1 John 5, verse 4, says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And I'll tell you, this world needs to be overcome. And it says, whatever is born of God has overcome the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Verse 5 says, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, there's something you can anchor to. If you can, if you can build faith in that, that's, that's a good place to anchor your, your thinking, your soul. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. And, and the Bible says that uh, in Ephesians that we're saved by grace through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works that no man could boast. The woman with the issue of blood. In, uh, in Mark chapter 5, uh, what did Jesus say to her when she came and touched his, his garment? Did he say, oh, well, it's your lucky day, girl. You, you came here at the right time. No. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Amen. Um, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's that we, we call it sometimes the faith hall of fame. And has this list of, of all these people who have done these amazing spiritual things and, and got their name in the Bible for it. It says they did that by faith. Every one of them. Even some of them who if you read their account in the Old Testament, you would wonder about that. But, but they, they made it and it says they did it by faith. So how do we stay where we're supposed to be with all that comes against us in life, we need that anchor. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says in verse 11, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope or faith in some translations until the end. There's one word in that passage that uh, we overlook a lot of times, and that's the word diligence. Uh, a lot of people don't like that word nowadays, diligence. God desires that every one of us show that same diligence. Faith requires diligence. And uh, we're in Hebrews 11. Go over a few more chapters. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse... That was Hebrews 6. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 6. We were in 6.11. Now to go to 11.6. Does that make sense? Okay. In verse 6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder 
of those who diligently seek him. There's that word again, diligence. Diligence. Just to know what God's will is or, or to know uh, what his promises are, that's not enough. We need to believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Uh, the Greek word for diligence carries the meaning of you keep going no matter what you're facing. You, there's, there's no stopping here. And it's, uh, it's not always going to be easy. It requires effort. And everybody wants it to be easy nowadays. Well, I will if I don't have to work too hard. Well, you may have to put in some work to get some things done. That's, that's uh, not just in, in the spiritual realm, that's in life itself. It also says in Hebrews chapter 11, if we go back up to the first verse, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another way to say that is, is faith is a confidence and an assurance. Faith gives us a confidence and assurance that what God said he is not only able to do, but he is willing to do it. That's important. What God said he's not only able to do, he's willing to do it. And it says uh, in, in Hebrews 6.11, the same deal, it talks about the assurance of hope. We're talking about hope. The, the Greek word that's translated hope is almost the same as the word for faith. And it's a confident expectation. It's not the same kind of hope that we, well, I sure hope so. You know, No, it's a, it's a confidence that's, uh, that's very, very closely connected with, with actual faith. Hope. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a, if we call a woman who's pregnant, we call her expecting. And uh, something is alive inside of her. That's the kind of, of hope we're talking about. There's an expectation that what God promised will be born if you don't give up on it, if you don't abort it. So, but, but there's a period of time between that seed being planted and whether we plant, whether we're talking about a human baby or the seed we plant in prayer, there's a time period between that planting and the harvest. And a lot of people aren't willing to wait for that. Um, we were in Hebrews 6.11. Go to verse 12. It says uh, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Sluggish is not necessarily lazy. The Greek word has has more of a meaning of being being unprepared, being out of shape. You know, if, if I were to enter a race right now, and I can't think of any race in the world that I would even have a chance of winning right now, because I am unprepared. That's better than saying I'm out of shape. But it's the truth either way. Uh, whether it was a marathon or or any other kind of race, I'm not prepared to run that. When we were when we were living in Europe, uh, this young girl, we had a, a car accident, and one girl had her femur broken, and uh, 
she was really struggling to recover. So I challenged her to a race. And I was, you know, I, I could work out a little bit. I could, I could beat a young kid at something, you know. And so I, I was confident that I was going to win this race, but I just, I only did it to just motivate her to, to take care of herself, to get that, get those muscles working again. Breaking their femur is a big deal. So, uh, the day came, she was ready. I kind of was ready. But the race, they, the course they had for us, it was only, I don't think it was even a hundred meters, but it was downhill on a, on a, an asphalt road. I spent the whole race trying to stop. And I, it was, no, uh, I did Photoshop myself winning at the end, but I didn't, I didn't win that race. But, but the point is, uh, it's, a lot of a lot of Christians are, are like that. I, you know, I know a race is coming up, and um, you know, I hope I've three or four weeks. Maybe I can prepare a little bit. Hope that's enough. Um, but spiritually, faith is like that, and and you need to exercise that faith. Call it the faith muscle. Exercise that faith muscle every day, just as if you were preparing for uh, some kind of a. a physical uh, sports event or, or contest, uh, you don't just walk in there not being prepared for it. But uh, so part of that is for the spiritual race is to your diet needs to be of the Word of God, the whole Word of God, not just your favorite part of the Word of God. I've, I've got lots of favorites, but there's there are lots of Parts of the word that are interesting, but not necessarily helpful uh, in keeping Satan from beating you up over things. And if if you're uh, if you can't uh, pay your bills and and sickness is trying to to enter into your family, uh, you don't really need to understand where the Antichrist is coming from. You need to know where healing comes from. So th- th- it's important that you do that. And so we need to hear the word of God that relates to what's going on in, in life and put it to practice. And we need to be in the habit of, of eating what is necessary to put you over in every area of life. And I'm talking about the, the spiritual food. It's the same in, in the natural. If it is with, with the, a sporting event, you need to be eating the right kind of food, getting the right kind of exercise. Um, but the point is, don't just pull your Bible out when there's a, an emergency going on in your life. If, if you're married, uh, you need to be eating the word concerning how to have a godly marriage. If you've got kids, uh, you, need to, you need to be eating the word on how to raise up, train up a child in the way he should go. So that uh, when he's old, he won't depart from it. And uh, if it's for health and healing, eat the word. But eat the word that that pertains to what it, what it is you need. Uh, I think it was Charles Caps that said, "There's there's a seed in the word for every need that you have. You need to find that seed, plant it in your heart, and then and then watch it grow, watch it produce for you." Um, back to Hebrews six, verse twelve again. It says uh, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises to make the promises of God 
in, in life a reality, it requires both faith and patience. And too many people give up because they never allow patience to, to develop. And, and patience is, is very important. It says we inherit the promises. What, what do you have to do to inherit something? Uh, if, you know, if you talk about a, a, a family situation where the parents, uh, leave something to the children, the requirement is you're a child. You're, you're there. You, that qualifies you. You're a child of God. That qualifies you to be in, in the inheritance that He has for us. Um, go on, verse 13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, uh, Sunday, Pastor uh, David was talking about Abraham. Uh, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, you know, aren't there some words in the Bible you just kind of wish weren't in there? Patiently endured, he obtained the promise. God uses Abraham as an example to us. And the Bible calls Abraham the father of faith. And now look at verse 15 again. It says, uh, it says, after, not before, he didn't get the promise until he had already patiently endured. <laughs> the Greek patient, uh, the, uh, the Greek patiently endured is one word. It means Long-suffering. Yeah, another one of those words. But hey, it's in the Bible. We can't just ignore those things because they might be uncomfortable to our flesh or our, our emotions. Because we can overcome that. Uh, verse 16, For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all strife. What does that mean? It's important to understand this because um, this we're talking about the anchor of your soul. End all strife. You know, when in in business, when uh, you you write up a contract with someone and take it to a lawyer, and they they try to write out every possible circumstance that if this comes up, there's no strife. It'll it'll be handled ahead of time. That's the way. Uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, and in verse 17, uh, God wanted us to give us something that, that we could understand and make it simple. So it says, thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs, that's you, heirs of promise, the immutability. Immutability means that you can't change it. It's unchangeable. Of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge and lay hold of the hope set before us. You know, back in, in that day, contracts were a little more meaningful to people than they are now. All you need to do nowadays is find another lawyer who will find some way to, to get you out of that. And it's, you know, it used to be that a handshake was all you needed. A man's word was as good as any piece of paper. But uh, in Abraham's day, it was 
Abraham entered into a blood covenant. A blood covenant. And verse 18 says, uh, uses the word strong consolation who have fled for refuge. Refuge. We're talking about a fortress for your mind. Your mind, your mind is attacked all the time. And you need a refuge. You need a, an anchor. You need a place where your mind can get away from the attacks and, and regroup and, and be able to, to respond. But, uh, the thing is, when you understand that God has not only spoken it, He has confirmed it with an oath, then it becomes the anchor to your soul. Now, I hope you're getting this because I, I have had to condense a lot of this. There's way more material that I have than I have time to give. But uh, it's developing an anchor, a solid thing that you can attach to. But it begins with you believing, receiving, and and having that strong confidence in what God said God will do. Can you believe thing? Can you believe God when things look bad? Well, things look bad in a lot of places in the world right now. Can you still believe God? You know, someone uh, posted something on Facebook a few days ago about how they were raised in a Word of Faith church. and But it's been my experience that, and then went on and on, why things weren't working in their life. And I'm thinking, you're undoing everything that was done by by speaking out things that are against what you've been taught and against what the Word says. I mean, if it's one thing if it's contrary to what the Word of God says, then you need to undo that. But but this she was going in the wrong direction. Her, her anchor came loose, I guess. But uh, but whether things look good or bad, our our circumstances do not determine the will of God in my life, in your life. It, we're, the circumstances there are there are. Circumstances, every one of us have circumstances that maybe don't look as good as they should. But if we'll, if we'll stay the course, if we'll stay steady, stay anchored to, to what God has said and knowing that what He said He will do, um, that's the only way you can stay calm and, and keep steady when everything seems to be coming against you the wrong way. Tries, the enemy tries to get you to give up and, and uh, doesn't want you to receive the promise. That's when we need that anchor of our soul. And then we know that after we have patiently endured, ooh, patience and endurance, we can't give up. That's that's the big key. You just can't give up. Patiently endured, you will receive the promise. It's your inheritance. It's your inheritance. The anchor of your soul is the blood covenant that was cut in the blood of Jesus. The anchor of your soul is the blood covenant that was cut in the blood of Jesus. I, I I can't make it any plainer than that. 
But you have to, you have to believe that. You have to receive that. You have to live it. I, I want to close with a scripture, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It will work. Don't give up. Don't let go. Keep anchored to, to something solid. Because he said it, it's in his word. He said it, he will do it. And this hope we have as the anchor of our soul. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us an anchor, Lord. And we receive that. Uh, Lord, we just walk in it. Father, we thank you that you've given us things we can take advantage of to be victorious in every area of our life. So, Father, we... We just thank you that you're causing us to grow and to develop in our, in our souls, especially right now, that we are uh, growing spiritually in our, in our physical body and in our mental awareness, Father. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, remember that you are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're the lender and not the borrower. You're blessed coming in, blessed going out, and everything your hand finds to do, what does it do? It prospers. Amen. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and you're good looking and you're dismissed. Amen.